Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 99 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Well, 99, the great one. This is going to be a great one. This is part two of my conversation with Zach Fitzgerald. Um, want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, the first uh, part one was really well received. Um, I put a screenshot of it. We were, we were having some laughs that uh, it was number four over in the in the UK in hockey podcasts the other day. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, that was really cool to see. And uh, yeah, no, it's been, and the, like I said, the feedback's been, been all positive. And um I think you guys will really enjoy this part too. It's a little more in depth. Um, I know, I know the UK fans will really, uh, really dig it. Um, you know, we we get into everything and cover all the all the different uh, seasons and and the battles and everything else that happened over there. So, um, again, uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, if you're new to the show, if you're just tuning in, it's your first time because you saw that I'm interviewing Zach or whatever. Um, please, I encourage you to check out the back catalog. Like I said, this is episode 99. Um, yeah, if you're a UK fan, um, I've interviewed actually quite a few guys that have played over there. Um, I was just looking at uh, Spotify today just to double check, but uh, Sean McMorrow, Aaron Bow, Frank Kovacs, Joe Grimaldi, Riley Emerson, Matt Nickerson, Jeremy Cornish, uh, Mike McWilliam, and Jason Goulet, No Name Hockey. Uh, check out No Name Hockey. That's uh, the hockey stick company owned and operated by Jason Goulet out of, in Winnipeg. Um, and if you're in, if, uh, you're a player and, uh, you're looking for some good sticks, um, they've been very well reviewed. And, uh, and like I said, they're, uh, they're, they're pro made and protested. So, I mean, you, you have no better, you know, I, I would take, uh, Jason's word and, and his staff, uh, staff of ex players words over, you know, uh, you know, Dennis over at the sports check. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out no name hockey, check it out. But, um, yeah, all those guys. And, and like I said, much like this interview, um, we timeline their career and, um, all the interviews have extensive talk about their time over in the UK. Um, cause I always find it fascinating over there too. Like being over here in, in, in Canada, um, you know, we're on the outside, never been over to the UK to see a game or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's real, and I've talked to numerous UK fans, but um, I always find it fascinating how the league is run and and the mindset that goes over there with the 
the fans and the, and the, and the players that go over there and, and what they think. So it's been really fun, um, having those guys on and not only talking about their North American career, but, uh, obviously their time over there as well. You know, it's a different look and a, a different way of doing things in some instances. And, uh, at the end of the day, a tilt's a tilt, right? Doesn't matter what ice surface you're on. So, but yeah, I encourage everybody to go back and check those out. Um, like I said, I'm a member of the hockey podcast network. Um, there's 55 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Check it out. I mean, those guys are putting out shows every week, you know, talking about the week that was or what's coming up or with the free agent or with the uh, trade deadline that just went by, uh, you know, talking about personnel that either signed or got away. Um, so they'll always have something to talk about. Um, as well, for my off-network friends, Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles. He's a New York Islander-based uh, enforcer podcast. And, I mean, he's had lots of Islander, like, uh, Islander legends on from Mick Fakoda, Aaron Asham, Jason Strudwig, Eric Bolton, on and on. Right now he's in the middle of a, uh, it's going on five parts with Trevor Gillies. Um, and it's like the most in-depth interview ever, but Trevor and, and Joe have known each other for a long time. So it's a little, it's a different interview. It's a lot more personal and that type of thing. But, uh, no, Trevor talks about everything from the teammates to opponents to, to breaking it down to his thoughts on the role and, and, and everything. And the, the first four episodes, I mean, have just been tremendous. And as a fight fan, um, yeah, so in depth and, uh, I highly encourage people to check, definitely check out. Uh, Joe's Joe's stuff because he does a great job. Joe's so knowledgeable and uh, yeah, and it's uh, no, I really enjoy listening to that. So uh, definitely check out check out Joe's uh, stuff as well as Dan, Paul, and Kelly over at the Obey the Puck Show um, and Fred and Dave at the Slewfoot Hockey Show. Again, two current shows. They talk about uh, the NHL, the minors, women's hockey. Um, you know the goings on of like I said of of what happened in the week. And, uh, I, I always thank them because, uh, it's current hockey and I listen to them so I don't have to watch and, uh, but I'm still informed. Like I said, I got my finger on the pulse. I'm st- I can, uh, I know what people are talking about just from listening to those shows, but, uh, definitely check those out. But, uh, yeah, other than that guys, um, I'm not going to go on for too long. Cause like I said, Zach and I, I think it's about two hours that we go for here. So yeah, so that's a total of, you know, three and a half hours of Zach Fitzgerald and, uh, um, I thank everybody that's, that's listened and, uh, yeah. And I hopefully, hopefully go, go, gain some new, uh, listeners from, uh, from, you know, coming on to listen to Zach. I hope you enjoyed it. And, uh, going forward, um, you know, uh, Wednesday is player interview day and, uh, and normally Sunday I like to do kind of a rant episode and whatever. It's usually something that's bothered me on social media about current hockey or something, or I'll cover, like I'll find an old program or some old article that we'll talk about, you know, from the seventies or eighties or whatever. It's a real general, just, uh, you know, whatever, you know, as Joe affectionately calls it shit show Sunday show. Most of the time it's, I read Twitter and get mad and yell about things. But, uh, but today, obviously with this being Sunday, but I, I didn't want to break, I didn't want to do part one Wednesday, me and then part two on next Wednesday. So I wanted to get it all out. So, uh, but so normally Sunday's a rant episode, but, and Wednesday's, uh, just an interview day, but, um, yeah, going forward, like I said, I've got a few irons in the fire. Um, I've just, uh, got a contact number for a guy for another, actually a UK, 
sort of legend over there. And I know he's never done a podcast before and uh, I'd really like to have him on as I was a fan of him and junior. So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to call out names in case it doesn't happen, but, uh, no, um, and I got a couple NHL guys on the line. So hopefully, uh, you know, going forward here, we'll, I'll I'll get a couple cats on the line and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, see what I can bring to you guys. But, uh, in the meantime, fourth line voice on Twitter, uh, fourth line voice on Facebook. So send me a friend's request or a follow and, uh, on social media as well as fourth line voice on YouTube. And please check that channel out. Uh, I have about 2,500 fight videos up there from all the different leagues, junior to pro. Um, yeah, everything's on there. Got a, some really cool Zach Fitzgerald tilts on there, actually. In the from part one, the Paul Brown fight that I talk about, it's on. That's on my channel. So definitely check that one out. Um, but yeah, like uh, like I said, subscribe to the channel. Hit the little bell notification at least once a week. I try to put a few fights up there anyway. So. Uh, yeah, so hit the notification so you don't miss anything. But uh, but definitely do the do the deep dive on the channel. I think you'll you'll dig it. You'll find some of the stuff on there pretty entertaining. So, but yeah, other than that, um, let's get rolling here. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, I was gonna say Wednesday will be episode one hundred. So that's kind of a big deal, big milestone. Um, to be completely honest, I I don't have anything. Seriously, I don't have anything huge planned or anything. Um, I really don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, you know, I'll probably just do a rant episode and, and uh, you know, and thank a few folks. It's kind of odd because before I was on the network, I had my own channel that, uh, unfortunately, the website crashed, got hacked. But uh, so I did 40-some episodes on there. So really, I've done 150 of these already. But so it's not really 100. But it's 100 for being on the network. So, but that's a big deal because I know... Um, you know, everyone and their dog has a, has a podcast and, uh, stops and starts and people quit after a couple episodes. I think I read somewhere that the average podcast is like seven episodes or something. So, um, yeah. So to have a hundred out is pretty cool. Um, I don't know if that makes me, uh, brave or crazy or what my problem is or just bored. I don't know, but, uh, no, in all seriousness, so I appreciate um, the feedback that I've always got, the listens, um, the show has grown, um, since joining the network, which has been really, which was really cool. And, um, and like I said, to get feedback from all over the, the world, um, has been very humbling. And, uh, and like I said, I, I laugh and joke about the, the chartable. I don't take the chartables ranking seriously. I'm just, but it was, it's nice to, um, when you see your name up there with, um, the spit and chiglets and the Don cherries in terms of listens, like I said, being number four in the UK, um, the other day was, was really cool to see. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. And, uh, you know, thank you to everybody that listened and, uh, and continues to. And, uh, and again, if you're a new fan or if you're a new listener and you're just one and done, cause you're here for Zach and that's it. Hey, that's cool. Thank you very much. You know, anyway, um, I appreciate you listening. And, uh, you know, like I said, I hope people stick around if you're new to this. So, but, uh, I'll shut up. Let's get into it here. Here's my uh, part two with Zach Fitzgerald. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. All right, here we are on part two on on a Sunday now with Zach Fitzgerald. Uh, Zach, how are you doing today? Good, Darren. Thanks for having me again, brother. I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. I I hear some funny things are going on your way, though. Oh, yeah, we've got some snow flying today. And uh, like I said, it's the winter that won't end. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's uh, crazy times, right? So... Um, 
Well, we're kind of doing this in two parts here, and uh, we had left off. You had just finished playing your first NHL game, and uh, but before we leave that 07-08 season, there's a couple incidents I want to ask you about with the Manitoba Moose. Um, okay. We, we first just kind of talked about it before we got recording here. Was it says on your fight card you picked up a match penalty when you and you fought John Scott? Uh, do you remember? Do you have any? Do you remember this? I do remember. I don't. I can't recall exactly uh, the hit or if it was bad or what the match was exactly for. But I do recall a hit, um, and then the guy and then John Scott came to stand up for him um, and grabbed onto me. And I, you know, I took exception. And we were trying to fight over this guy. You know, we're trying to reach over the guy, and I already had a big enough problem on my hands. I mean, just like the guy is a massive human and throwing punches down Main Street, and I. I don't think any of my punches landed. They were probably eight inches short, you know. So, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was an interesting one. Well, and before we leave, I got to ask you because, of course, uh, you fought a legendary uh, enforcer in Darren McCarty that year. Oh yeah, how'd that yeah, go? That how'd that go against uh, DMac? Yeah, that was a uh, that was kind of a premeditated one for me. I mean. The, Darren McCarty, you know, exactly the guy that I watched, you know, watch growing up, and uh, what what a special thing to have the guy uh, playing against us. And I figured he'd be willing to go, but yeah, we we played and asked him to go, and he just literally took exception without hesitation. And um, it's crazy; he tied me up so crazy right in my right in my collar, and he was throwing little throat punches, and just it was. I mean, in hindsight, it was awesome because it just threw me off completely. And I'm, I'm already fighting fucking Darren McCarty, you know, like, but now he's got this little trick. He's throwing punches right in my throat. And, you know, it was, uh, I don't think there's even really a good video of it, which I wish there was. There's a few, I got a few really blurry photos, but the best part about the whole thing was after the game, um, I don't know, um, what was going on, but, it didn't you, you didn't normally cross over guys in Grand Rapids you or there's a little there's a little uh doorway that you'd walk through and you'd see guys every now and then. Um but I ended up seeing anybody and the um announcer came down to me, he goes, Fitz, hey, I got this for you. Big Mac just gave me this. He gave me a uh correct me if I'm wrong, is it grinder? Yes. Grinder C D uh signed to me. And, uh, just sent along his best. And I mean, just what a, what a legend. I mean, the guy gave me the time to step up to a legend that is himself and then pass on an, his album of his band. And what a legend. That's awesome. <clears throat> that's, that's cool, man. Yeah. Well, and, and like the fact that he'd give you a shot, right? Like there's a lot of guys that would be no down doubt, there and yeah. it's like, yeah, go away, kid. You know, like, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, a, to- a complete, respect for that guy um you know and and you know he was trying to do his thing and get back in the game and it was it was quite special no absolutely well the following year uh of course go over the summer and uh you know you're back in vancouver for the 08 09 season you play with the moose um going into how how did camp go and after playing like you get your game so the following season was a little disheartening not to get any nhl time yeah, I, unfortunately, I busted my jaw that year, so I was out eight weeks without, you know, w- you know that's a quite a huge window, and it was there was actually a lot of injuries with Vancouver that year, um, and guys were going up and down. So who knows? But 
yeah, it was unfortunate. It, it's tough because you get that taste and you just want it, right? Now you're just working your ass off to, you know, you finally kind of gotten there and you want to keep it. Um, so yeah, one at the time, one game wasn't enough for me, and I wanted more. But um, you know, we are where we are now. It was it was a great experience, but yeah, the the pressure was. I put it more on myself. I was hoping to stick up there longer. Yeah. Well, in uh, in Manitoba that season, um, you know, you, I think, uh, what did I say? I found it. The 13 tilts and, uh, you know, you're back there with, uh, with, uh, with Keen and all them. Um, one, one of the teammates that you had that I have to ask you about, I know he wasn't there for very long, um, was Daryl Bootlin. <laughs> Booter. I mean, talk about legends. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, even going back to Traverse City, he was in Traverse City. That's where I actually first uh, first fought him. I couldn't stand the guy. Like, he was he was playing the rat uh, game to a cue. It was perfect. You know, he was, he was tough enough to stand up for himself and fight all the tough guys and skilled enough to play on, you know, some of the top lines. So, you know, he was the type of guy that I always wanted to chase after. Um, and we ended up fighting in Traverse City, but... Yeah, later on when he joined the Moose, I was like, oh, God, you know, we signed this guy like this. Come on, for real? Immediate buddy. I mean, this guy is hilarious. I, I, I still Snapchat here and there with him. But, uh, yeah, he was at all the PHPA meetings and just an absolute gem. I mean, you, you don't find a lot of guys like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, he did it for a long time. And, uh yeah, it was a was a actually really well. Like, no, like it's a surprise, but like, yeah, he was a really solid player too. Yeah, no, he was all around player, man. He, I, I could imagine he was probably in the third line in Detroit when he was up there playing, if not second. Um, so it's it's too bad he didn't get more of a shot, but he still had a great career. Absolutely. Um, well, a couple of tilts that I got to ask you about from this year, um, of course. You, you're obviously your paths would cross later across the pond with this guy, but you fought him twice this year. Was Adam Keefe? What was it like playing oh, against yeah. Kiefer? Well, you always you always had to have your head up, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, but he was respectful. He was a hardworking, hard nosed player. That you know, he he was skilled enough too to keep a line going, and and they were able to put some points up. Um, but he was a hard nosed guy, running around, uh, completely feared in the UK. Um, and the and the American League as well, um, you know he was buddies with my uh, one of my roommates, Bull Duke. Um, so I kind of got to know him a little bit there, and then yeah, playing against him. And actually, you know, he was a uh, a huge huge help to me last year in my coaching position. And uh, I wish him all the best over there with Belfast because they're just you know he's got a great organization. They do a good job, um, and and he's even on with the GB over there. So uh, yeah, I've, I've had actually some really close contact with him lately. Yeah, no, I was always a huge fan of Keith. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, another guy. Well, he was over in the UK briefly with you as well, or against you, but uh, you fought with Rose Hill. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he. Well, he was nails, absolute nails. We <laughs> we locked horns once, and uh, I think it was in Toronto, and he he had clipped my my roommate Corey Schneider, the goalie. I'm not don't don't get me wrong, I didn't clip him, but he. I don't know, maybe just fucking got in his bubble. I don't know, but it was my roommate, and there was a little, you know, I knew I had to go after this guy, so we we were going, and we were both throwing so hard that we ripped apart and then kind of looked at each other and just rejoined again. And <laughs> I mean, he could throw both hands just as hard as the other. So, 
you, you got to be very weary with him, and he's big boy, so and, and scared of no one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we're g- kind of going off. To, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but I was gonna add, with the Rose Hill. I mean, not. I'm just seeing it from a distance, obviously, as a fan and reading about it and stuff. Do you think he got a raw deal over in the UK? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I was I was literally thinking it too um, as I finished there. But yeah, he <laughs> excuse me, he uh, definitely got the raw. I mean, that the thing is, is you know, when you get targeted over here by the refs, um, they're going to talk to you. They're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Hey, I'm watching and watching. Don't be doing that again, Fitz or Jay or whatever. You know, in the UK. If you get on the wrong side of them, and not every one of them, but some of the refs, um, you're pretty much doomed for the season. And I did that to myself a few times. But um, the policies or the department, like the, there's just it was just so inconsistent with the rules that he was almost the the, the rule setter for a few of those uh, penalties because they just hadn't seen him. And I, I mean, I was involved in the game with him where he. Um, went to hit our captain, and it just looked awkward. Our captain tried to get out of the way, um, just kind of clipped him funny. And I was on the ice, and I actually went after him, um, and I grabbed him. He's like, "Fits," you know. I'm like, "I know, I know." I, I, you know, I basically grabbed him like to see what was going on first, make sure and to engage if I had to. But we both realized that nothing had happened here, and then he got thrown out. They threw him out of the game. He he. I think it was like he tossed his stick or something, just out of frustration, like yeah. a lot of us have done before. And they just slammed the rule. Like it was amazing. I think it was six, seven games or so for something like that, where you got other players doing far worse and on the ice type stuff. So yeah, hundred percent, he got the short end of the stick. And you know, I, I mean, not to relate hundred percent, but there was times when I did too, and he touched on it and, and passed. I'm sure we'll get to it, but um, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean it was it's it's frustrating as a, like I mean you read you you watch those uh the player safety videos and it's just like what are you doing like just I don't know it's what well, we'll get there we'll get there but uh <laughs> okay. yeah that was kind of eye rolling but um yeah another guy that you fought this year before we leave this season um and I mean you guys cross paths a, a whole bunch of times and I'm a big fan of this guy actually it was Eric Nielsen Oh, did you say you're not a fan of him? Oh, I am a fan of him. I oh yeah, I no, dig Eric Nielsen. I was going to hang up right now. I'm, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, he's uh, what a human, a genuine human. And going back to my season uh, with the moose, there, uh, he was actually responsible for that broken jaw. We um, and I got a ton of respect for him. We've, we've talked over the years. We've had many beers, um, but when we were in Peoria. Um, we were scrapping and it was a good fight and he's, and as you know, he's a very wild fighter. Um, and we were going and he's super strong. And I think at one point he was either bent over on a knee or something. Um, and I kind of like looked over like just to see what was going on or to, to attack or whatever. Um, and he kind of came out of what he was doing. He threw a big wild hook and it caught me right in the jaw. And I realized, Oh, something's wrong here. And we kind of finished the fight and something's wrong. Something's wrong. You know, and uh, getting the penalty box, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, fuck, I can't even bite down. You know, I'm looking right at my trainer, and I'm kind of giving him the hand and saying, like, something's wrong. And he's like, all right, come over, come over. Anyway, long story short, I end up 
that punch busted my jaw. Uh, did he feel good about it? I don't know. But he is that type of a guy that, you know, he. I'm sure you guys have all seen the video of him and Big Mac. And that right there just tells you exactly what kind of guy he is as a warrior. And then off the ice with the community, uh, he carried the Manchester Storm on his back. He was uh, just great for them. I mean, he was more or less uh, like a like a. Which I can't think of the best word, but he was. Well, he's just a really good ambassador really, for them. Yeah, ambassador. Thank you for for our league and, and Manchester, and and it, it was unfortunate, I think, for him because. Uh, he had such a reputation and he was so tough and Manchester just wanted this guy to fight and nobody would fight him at home because they just knew there's nothing to do. You know, there's only so many guys on his level of toughness. Um, And I think every time I was in there, he was hurt. So there was never that chance when I would have give, you know, him and I give each other chances if we needed. Right. And so for him, I think it was unfortunate because he just didn't get any real chances to show what he could do there. So that's unfortunate. But for what he does for the game, is uh, you can't top that. Yeah. Well, there's another guy. I mean, didn't he get he get into it with a fan or something behind the bench? Oh yeah. And, and he yeah, got... yeah, yeah. That the guy poured beer down. I mean, poured beer all over him. That's one problem with the the fans in certain arenas there. <clears throat> and you know, touching on like Nickerson. And yeah. Stuff like that, where you know there's interactions with the fans with poor security, uh, and it's almost like a minor league amateur game at points where uh, the fans are too close. And when there's that much adrenaline and stuff going, and people don't quite understand what they're what they're getting into, then things like that happen. And and it's not fair for Eric to have to um, be in that position where he can't. He's not even really separated from the person so that's not that was so unfair uh but you know that's comes down to the inconsistency stuff again yep oh absolutely um well the following year uh 2009 2010 you become a river rat um what was the uh did uh was it just time to move on from the vancouver organization or uh and sign with carolina or what happened there yeah, they were well. They were they were uh, once again top notch organization, and they were completely honest with me. We talked for a while, and they just said, "Hey, look, we're moving on to I can't remember who it was, <clears throat> or if it was even a name, <clears throat> but they were moving on, and that was fine because it didn't leave me on the hook, and I was able to go look elsewhere. and um, And Carolina came knocking. I was good buddies with Tim Conboy, who was in that uh, organization. So I was excited about that. They had really good things to say. Um, it just seemed like a good fit, so we went for it. Well, and so, uh, yeah, at Hurricane Camp, what was it like to be around, like, Whitney and Brindamore and those guys? Yeah, you know, Brindamore is the everything that everybody says about them is true. Um, so that was cool. Um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting to to be down there in such a different climate, you know, for hockey for me for the first time. Yeah, um, trying out down there, but no, it was good. They were uh, the coaches were always really good uh, down there. I always remember Paul Maurice walking by me had a Led Zeppelin shirt on, and he looked at me, go, "Hey, Fitz, they got a song for everybody." I said, "Fucking right." I didn't. Well, I didn't say fucking right. But I said, "Yes, sir." Right away, sir. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right, <laughs> Mr. Maurice. But no, he's actually a good dude too. He uh, 
I'll always remember that because Zeppelin's one of my favorite bands, and for him to notice that was was cool. But no, it was great to go down there. And um, don't, my only issue down there was they kind of like they separated the NHL from the AHL kind of right away. There wasn't really any real opportunity where we thought there might be. I I thought that there was a a tough spot to when you you know you kind of go in pre evaluated um, and not really given a chance to break through. So that was that was unfortunate, and then you know I had a great season, so that that was okay. Uh, I was happy about my season there the first year with uh, the River Rats. Yeah, well, and it was a frustrating thing because, like, especially at, like in your position, it's like you know not you know knocking anybody on the on the her on the big team, but it's like you know Carolina's not really known for toughness, and it's like they didn't really have a guy, so it's like you know I I don't know I was it was kind of. Uh, Annoying to not see you get a shot anyway. Yeah, I mean, and, and I kind of touched on Tim Conboy was like, I would say almost him and I, he was definitely more of a machine, but, and played a lot more minutes, but him and I would play a similar game, you know, physical fight when needed to, but, you know, try to play the game and, and he could do that and he would do it as forward as well. So he was kind of that guy that was up and down, um, but he had a lot of injuries and stuff and, and who knows if I was the, the one after that, but then, you know, like a, uh, Mike Angelitis was there. He was our captain, and kind of like he finally got his chance. Actually, like a year or two after I left over to the UK, got a shot up in the NHL and stuff. Like so, there was kind of guys in the pipeline that could bring it. But you're right, they didn't. They didn't really carry a, a tough toughness. They, you know, what? the one guy that I that bothered me there was Gleason. Um, no, yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really here to call out people or names or anything, but like you know, he's got he's got. A story along with him, and I just they, that was the guy that I would have liked to take his spot. Well, they, there you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, but uh, yeah, so you're down in uh, you're down in Albany, and uh, well, a couple of the teammates there you got was uh, you, you. I think you mentioned him earlier, but uh, Brad Harif. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> Harry. Yeah, we he, he we. Um, First interaction I had with him, I wanted to fucking go home and practice. He was coming, he was coming whacking me, cross-checking me, going after me in practice. I'm like, okay, I'm going to like this guy. Um, and we had a fun season of, of carrying that on. Yeah, well, you know, an old, an old SJ guy. And, uh, yeah, he's kind of been known for that for sure. But, uh, yeah. Oh, you know, like kind of once again, like touch on like, like with Ripper, the pound for pound toughness, you know, Brad was a smaller guy and he was not afraid of anybody and he did well. So for him, he's, I would consider him super tough as well. No, absolutely. And, uh, uh, well, I was going to say your coach, you had Jeff Daniels and, and Kinnear. What were those cats like? Uh, some of my, uh, favorite coaches, definitely. Jordy was, uh, great to me. He was <clears throat> very, uh, helpful in my career. I mean, I played similar game to him. So he understood what I was what I was trying to do and what I was uh, bringing to the team, which is nice to have that, to have somebody kind of in your corner that understood what you're doing. And, and JD was just a good coach. Uh, everybody respected him. He, if he, if he, if he got flared up, you knew something was wrong. <clears throat> and um, we had some successful teams for sure. We can't remember who it was. We lost in the playoffs, but we had a run one year and uh, I think it was wilkes Bear. Um, and we should have we should have made it to the finals. I think it was my yeah, it was the Charlotte year uh, with them. But 
we, uh, I really enjoyed those coaches. Uh, I've talked to both of them recently. Um, JD's up with Carolina, wish him nothing but the best. And, and Jordy's Amer- uh, American League head coach. So they're both rocking it. Yep. Uh, well, you had 300 minutes this year that was the highest penalty minute total you ever had. And, uh, you were a busy dude and, and, Oof. Oh, Looking at the names, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Got, I'll hit you with a couple. First of all, I got to go. Um, former guest of the show. People go back and check out that episode. Was Big Mac, Steve McIntyre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, so uh, my, my, my D partner, Casey Bohr, who was actually a um, teammate of mine growing up as a kid, we played Minnesota Blades and all this shit together, you know, kids and my teammates. Um, this season, and Big Mac kind of crushed him in the corner, and um, um, we came back to the bench. I'm like, oh, Casey, all right? He's like, yeah, all right, Fitz. I'm like, oh, I'm going to fucking get him. He's like, no, you don't have to do that. I'm like, I'm going to fucking get him. And uh, he's like, no, 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 no. You know, you know, because, you know, he's a fucking animal. Anyway, <laughs> go up to the face up. I tap on the shin pads, and I look up to him and go, hey, we're going, big boy. You're going. He goes, you sure? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going, we're going, you know? And so I dropped my shit immediately, uh, and try to get in there and throw a few. And it, that was about as much, as far as I got with him, he pretty much just kind of hay bailed me really like lifted me off the ice. And I don't know if he even, I, I can't, I don't remember. I don't know if he nailed me too bad cause I don't remember. And I'm sure I would remember cause I remember a guy like West Garth punch for sure. But, um, uh, big Mac, uh, yeah, he, he more or less just treated me like a hay bale. But the good thing about that guy is he is a respectful human as well. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, Mac's a really nice guy. And, uh, yeah, one of the bat one, yeah, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, that list of that season was, yeah, that was like, you know, Bugard. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, Yabo. All sorts of guys. <laughs> Yabo, yep. Um, oh, I blanked his name. Well, I know you fought Brookbank three times. Yeah, Brookbank. Thank you, Brookbank. Yeah, he was absolute nails. That whole team, that Wilkes-Barre team, that that was a tough one. Why am I blanking the name? There's another guy on on Wilkes-Barre that year, uh, um, absolute legend. Um, uh, Bo- no, I- uh, starts with the V. If you can find it. Um, anyway, yeah, that was a tough year. We uh, basically uh, by the end of the season, my knob was just a ball because i couldn't hold my stick normally anymore it was just had to get bigger and bigger and bigger because i couldn't close my hand from just hitting helmets and things like that and i didn't want to lose my spot so i just adapted <laughs> oh bowleries bowleries thank you yeah yeah i knew something was happening every game that that year that's for sure well and then you had little bugard aaron he's yeah. around yeah 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 and yeah west garth well, yeah, even I think even England was on that team, but he didn't even have to do anything. Yeah, uh, Pascal Morenci, Garrett Klotz. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a tough year. Yeah, Heavy year. Well, Heavy you year. you you mentioned it before, but Westgarth. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Just a big guy, and the way that he he could he would stand, and you can kind of see it in the videos. It was just like a side posture and like a hook, like a long hook punch. And he, like uppercut, like a long, not sorry, not a hook, a huge uppercut punch he would throw all the time. And it just kind of came from across his body. But yeah, he, uh, like I touched on before, he punched me one time in the uh, side of the neck. 
like right under the chin, like right where your chin, peak of your chin is, um, and down. It fucking hurt for four months, dude. It hurt for four months. And there's a lot of nerves and things in there. And so when you, when you get bruised up on that spot and, I mean, God. But yeah, Jordy used to love it when I would go, when we would play there. He'd be like, oh, Fitzy's out there. He doesn't give a shit who's on the ice. Fucking Westgard's out there. He's out there running, guys. He doesn't give a shit. Jordy's a beauty like that. He just, <laughs> uh, yeah. He would, he would, he'd be yelling that stuff just because, you know, guys like that, they intimidate the shit out of most players, you know, and, Got long hair like that, and you're and you're six four, six five, intimidating. Well, here I'm. Yeah, see, yeah. Let's. I'm going to ask you about this because, like I said, from a, from the fans, we don't. You know, we don't know. We're on the outside, right? So yeah. I'm going to ask you because I mean, I mean, I already know what the answer is, but I'm going to ask you anyway. But for the listeners, um, there's always this thing online, you know, through the media, and I mean, you've heard it a million times that, like, you know, guys like yourself or Wes Garth or whatever, it's like it's that, oh, they don't really bring anything anymore. It's not the eighties anymore or whatever. What's it like? I mean, I mean, not in your sense. Cause I mean, obviously you're not scared of them. I mean, you'll go fight them, but you've seen what y- a Yablonski or a McIntyre does on the ice to the bench. Is yeah. it like legit? Like, is there is legit fear of those guys? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, the guys that don't want anything to do with that, they're not going to go anywhere near this guy. They're going to change when he gets on the ice. Um, and they're just not going to want to step up to it. For one, maybe they don't think they have to. For two, they're scared. For three, I mean, it's hard-nosed hockey. If you're not willing to step up to it and, and at least, you know, go for it, you're not going to. And And not to say that a lot of hockey players aren't going to do it, but there is some that just don't want anything to do with it. And yes, it can control the game, especially if you got two or three guys that not necessarily yabble. If you had a yabble and you had a, you know, um, a guy that's playing third line that's heavy, like a Guillaume Davian or somebody like that, and on uh, like a D man that's tough or something. You, that's those are some of the best teams I ever played on. I had somebody in almost every position. Um, yeah. And you're just in, especially when playoffs come, you're in guys' heads. And the best the best ones were the ones that would stay out of the penalty box, that wouldn't take the minors. Yeah. But, yeah, like you said, the the, the presence alone. I was going to, yeah. as you were talking, I was just going to, I was thinking, was there ever a, you don't have to name names or anything, but was there ever a teammate, or did you ever hear of, like, a teammate that was, he just starts shit all the time and then like basically get you into fights all the time. And oh, after yeah, a while yeah. it's just be like, yeah. dude, enough. Like, what are you doing? Like, did you yeah, ever have that? I, yeah. I had a few of those guys. Um, I had a few, not too many, but there was a few of those guys and they either got their lesson taught to them and there was no hard feelings on my side or anybody else in the teams because they've put somebody else in that position too many times or, they come to the realization of what they're doing and they, they, they cool it down and, or step up to the plate when needed. Uh, I've never had to like throttle anybody and grab them and say what the f- you're doing, you know? Um, because I think it was, um, um, communicated without words. I think, yeah. y- you know, there's when you're starting to put the team at risk or teammates, then yeah. Or, at you know, at times like in the American League, you just disappeared. If you were putting the, they just sent you down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> but yeah, no, I, there isn't anybody I'd bring up specifically. But 
you know, the guys that were good at it are in the NHL right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, like Brad Marchand, I wanted to take his head off. Yeah. I wanted to absolutely kill him, and I'm sure he put his teammates in a lot of positions. But look at him now. I mean, he, obviously he's got the skill on top of it, but he brings that rat game where he, he's literally in everybody's head. Yeah, well, and it's like it's sort of like the, a product of the new game, right? Like you can you can kind of it's kind of consequence free now, right? So you can do that oh, shit. For sure. Like in yeah. the '80s, he would have just you know someone would have grabbed and beat the shit out of him, and you yeah. would have just got like an extra ten minute misconduct. Now you'd get ten games, and they talk about jail sentences. But I mean, back then it was just yeah. ten, right? So you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, you're right. You're right. It's it's changed, and there is a lot more stick work and some da- more dangerous stuff. But I'm just glad they're keeping guys that are still heavyweights that can play the game that are still they're still there. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, like well, yeah. I mean, you kind of, of course, you started at the beginning of 2000 with the, with Seattle, and it, there was still you know team every team had guys and whatever, and it was still quite prevalent. Yeah. And as you sort of went on. It, it started that change, that transformation sort of started changing kind of right around yeah, this did. time, that 2010. I mean, you still have the Brook Banks and the Bullerice and, and Mac and Yabo and stuff and Morasti and those guys. But I mean, it was slowly starting to kind of just go away from the, from those guys. Um, yeah. do you, um, well, I mean, we can be honest talking about it, but I mean, do you think that's a good thing or like, what do you think? Well, I, I think that, um, I think that you can't give up a roster spot now to somebody that can't at least contribute to the game and not take a minor penalty and not at least like uh, run around, create some havoc, some energy, um, and also create that fear. Um, I think there's room for guys like that. Yes, hundred percent. And um, it's needed because things will get out of hand if you got guys. And I won't name any names because it's just I've already done enough of that. But um, you got guys that are have no um, action taken against them. If they cross the line, then they're going to continue to do it, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Um, so you have to have somebody. You got to have guys. Um, and like I touched on, like Guillaume Davian was one of the best guys I played with for that, where he he could literally be out there for playing twenty minutes, but also have that toughness. Um, to go. So you, you need guys like that. Um, you know, like Lucic and those guys. Obviously, they're getting to the end of their careers. I, I'm, it's kind of crazy to say because I'm their age, but um, they are needed 100%. And, and fans and people that watch the game, they're not going to really necessarily see that fear that you're talking about or the intimidation or making space for yourself by letting you you used to like to say in the corners, you're creating space for yourself with, you know, they think you're going to hit you or you're coming in physical. Um, there's there's a lot of elements to the mental game, for sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, well uh, yeah, well, like you said, the following year in Charlotte, uh, you guys had a heck of a run. Um, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're back at it again. Um, one of the names that came up in your fight card that I have to ask you about was uh, old PL3 there. Pierre Luc LeBlanc. Oh, yeah, that's a bad dude, man. Nails. Uh, he would punch straight down Main Street. One hardest punchers. I can never. Every single fight, he hit me hard. Every fight, he hit me hard. Um, huge hands. 
Uh, probably under it, you know, like he, when he did get a chance to play a little bit, you know, he could play the game and he's a huge guy. He crushed guys. Um, but yeah, right down Main Street, he had just the perfect pop, um, um, boxer's punch. You know, it wasn't like we talked about before the big windup. It was straight from the shoulder and using your momentum and punching like a boxer. He was, yeah, he was, uh, I'm surprised he didn't get more of a chance in the NHL. Yeah. So my, yeah, he had, uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, I was always a big fan of his. Uh, another guy that was kind of, he'd swing wild, and I mean, he did it for a long time, and I got to watch him here in Prince Albert for a while with uh, Grant McNeil. Oh, yeah. He's a good dude, too. He's a good dude. Yeah, that, yeah, our both, we were kind of in similar, um, I think he was just a year older than me or so, but, um, I hit another legend that fought everybody. Yeah, yeah. he, I think, he, I don't think he needed to give me that fight. I think that was one of those ones where he was like, all right, Fitzy, you know, we'll, we'll let this go. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Well, it was, uh, well, there, there was another guy. Uh, I, I've heard people, there's uh, mixed reviews on this cat was uh, Robitaille. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was one of those rats. He was one of those yeah. guys. No, but he he might have actually uh, uh, been one of those guys that put players in a bad spot. Um, and there's literally, uh, I think it was my only fight with him. I literally chased him around the ice. I, he was he, he was the guy to me that I couldn't stand. I had to I had to get a piece of him. And I think it was Bowler Reese or somebody who was literally skating behind me going, Fitz, we're going. I'm like, no, I'm not. I am chasing this guy. Like, I'm chasing. Fitz, we're going. No, I'm, I'm literally chasing this guy and I'm going to get him. I don't care what you say. You can punch me in the back of the head type feeling is where I was at. And I don't remember specifically what happened or what he had done, but yeah, that was, that, that was that fight. <laughs> yeah. I know, uh, listening to Joe Lazito's podcast, the Islander podcast there, he's got Trevor Gillies on. And they're, you know, oh, yeah. and, oh, and Gillies put the mouth to him. <laughs> oh, he was not a fan. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a few. It was interesting, actually. Gillies was not a fan of his or uh, or Dennis Bonvie's, actually. He was not. He shit all over Bonvie, too, which was kind of interesting to hear. But, you know. Well, because Bonvie is good at talking, so I'm sure you had something good to say to him, right? You know, and there's guys like that, too, where you just you had no response. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, that, exact kind of what he said, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, and Gillies is a rather intense individual, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Um, actually, one of the guys that was on the team with you here in Charlotte, of course, is the uh, from the legendary Sutter family, uh, Brett Sutter. Yeah, yeah, he was a player. To have. He was a leader, good guy, uh, really down to earth. You know, if you didn't know his last name, you went to known family he came from, uh, because he's just he's just good with everybody. And it was a pleasure to be his teammate for sure. He went on to do have uh, a good career after that too. So it was good to touch with him for a little bit. No, absolutely. Well, the the following year, you signed with the Montreal Canadiens, and yeah. um, you know, obviously the most storied, te- you know, them and the Leafs, the two most storied teams in the NHL. Um, what was it like to go to Habs camp and just put on that logo? Well, that was like the most stressed summer I'd had. Um, 
things weren't like, you know, I, nothing was really on the table. And then the Habs came around and we were just like, all right, this is unbelievable. Okay, let's do this. It was my, um, my wife's uh, father's favorite team, you know, and we're just all excited about it. And yes, you like you say, uh, just to, to kind of throw that jersey on, to feel the legends that have worn it and to go into that rink and, um, the city was really, it was a really cool experience. Um, I would have liked to see the city a little bit more, um, but uh, camp was cool. Uh, Ryan White was great to me. He kind of took me under his wing there. Ton of respect for him. One of those guys that can play the game and tough as nails. Um, so that was cool. And then playing for Hamilton that season was one of my favorite seasons. Mike Anlauer, the owner there, absolute gem of a human, uh, treated us like the NHL, treated us like you basically you would have had a seamless transition from Hamilton to Montreal as far as how they treated you. So I really loved it there. I really wanted to sign back. I did, I did my best to sign back, um, but uh, that's just how hockey goes with those one-year contracts, and uh, I, re- I enjoyed my time there. No, uh, Did you get along with Subban? Um, I did. <laughs> I didn't talk with him much. Uh, he, he liked to talk, and... I just kind of listened and, you know, they had their, their, their inner squad of, of boys up there. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I don't really have a, I can't say I, I did or not. I didn't really have any time with them. At this point, like when you're at those NHL camps, I mean, the next year in Philly and stuff, um, like, I mean, like you were saying before, there's there, some of the teams, there's a separation, you know, you got the NHL guys, the AHL guys and, you know, you know, the cool kid table yeah. and all that stuff. Um, but at this point, I mean, you've been around, you've been a pro for six, seven, eight years. Do you kind of get treated different than the other AHL guys? You know what I mean? Like, is there kind of like, or is it still like, we're NHL, you're minor league. Is there still that sort of wall? Um, well, I wouldn't say that's necessarily true for every team. I, I, I just felt that way in St. Louis when I was young. And, you know, what? there was probably a lot of ignorance as being a young kid, but I just didn't feel welcomed at the time when I probably needed it most, right, being a yeah. young kid and, and shit. Uh, and then, you know, you go up to Vancouver, and it was like, wow, eye-opening. Um, and then Carolina was really good. People were uh, really welcoming there, too. Um, and then Montreal was, was, Montreal was good. It was just like, it was such a big show there. Uh, there was so much going on and the facilities were huge. Um, and the way they had it set up, there was, it was inner squad, like mixed stuff. So you were, um, mixed in with the, the, um, NHL guys more. Um, so I didn't find that separation as much. Um, but, yeah, there is like the you know the little groups they stick to each other, and I I don't I mean answering your question specifically, I think the only way that I maybe would have been treated a little bit differently is knowing some of the guys because I was older there in the NHL, maybe um, spending a little bit more time with them just because I was more familiar with them, maybe from agent or you know previous team or whatever it was. So I think just at that time you just you like you said you've been around a little bit more, you know more guys. Um, I think the coaches, when you're at that age, um, maybe give you a little bit more indication of where you are. Uh, Montreal, I don't think I ever really had a shot there. I think I was more—I was on a PTO tryout, um, but 
just to go there was worth it all. Um, I'm trying to think of the D-man that came out of there that year that he, he actually still playing. Um, physical D-man. Never, never fought. Russian kid. Uh, anyway, it, it was a good experience for what it was to, to, to be a part of that organization. We got to actually play a, uh, an American League game in the rink and um, both in Montreal and Ottawa, so that was quite special. No, uh, well, yeah, absolutely, and, uh, and like you said, uh, you know, storied franchise, and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, well, <laughs> well uh, speaking of Gillies, when he was shit on guys, you fought one of the guys. I forgot about this that Gillies shit on, um, and there's been, like I said, there's been a number of, I mean, tough, tough dude without a doubt, Francis Lassard, big Frankie, yeah, actually, he was. Uh... Uh, what's I, I don't know the name of the rink in Ottawa, but it's the, the NHL rink there, and we got to play our um, uh, an American League se- um, in-season game against Binghamton, and that was the fight with Frankie. And I mean, I knew who was in the house, you know. And yep. I was scanning around. I'm like, Big, we gotta go, Frankie. We gotta go. He's like, yeah, 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 bitch. I'm like, you know, he's just a fucking machine. Um, but I actually was quite happy with that fight. I don't think that video is out there, and I wish it was, but. I was happy with my fight against him because he's nails. He's lefty. Um, I can see why Gillies wouldn't like him. A hundred percent. You know, he run around. He was, you know, he kind of had that. Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm gonna kind of crush you and think about it after type deal. Uh, but that's well, that Gil- Gil- Gillies player. issue. Gillies issue with him was he's like Francis is a tough enough guy. He didn't need to pull the shit that he pulled. Like he'd jump yeah. you or he'd grab you at the end of the shift, right. and you know it's. The, and he goes, "Or he sucker you," and he goes, "He didn't need to do that. He was tough enough where he didn't need to." You know that was Gilly's issue with Lassard. I appreciate that. I do appreciate that. I actually had a conversation with Riley Cote one time when we were in, when I was playing for him in Adirondack about how we felt we were a little bit too honest at times, um, and. Maybe maybe got the worst end of a fight because of it. So there's always thinking about that too. You know, yeah. maybe he didn't want in that position where he didn't want he he needed to make sure he was ready. You know, maybe it was a little fear thing. Maybe it's just the way that he was. Maybe he wanted that rat aspect. But I get it why Gillies. You know, I get it why Gillies would be pissed because Gillies was scared of nobody. He was scared of nothing. No. Yeah. Well, another guy that you fought a couple times was Colt Nor. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So yeah, okay. He yeah, that was another kind of like uh, not like not quite Darren McCarty, but you know, uh, Cole Nor is in the minors. All right, I know he's going back to the NHL. Okay, I got to get my shot here. So, and playing in Hamilton, obviously, like you mentioned before, huge rivalries with Toronto. So, um, I, I the first time we fought it was a good fight. Uh, their announcer disagreed and and said that I got my head absolutely torn off by Coltonor, but that's cool because it's Coltonor. I'm alright with that. But uh, <laughs> the second time, the second time we're we're in Toronto, and um, I can't remember what happened, but I ended up fighting Kelsey Wilson, and we used to fight all the time. Uh, we were like almost the exact same fighter, same height, same weight. Uh, all our fights are really good. The first time we fought, he tagged me good, and I always wanted to fucking get him back for that. But anyway. I'm fighting Kelsey Wilson, and we're going toe-to-toe right right at the bench. And all I can see, like, there's not a lot of memories I have from middle of fights. It's pretty much a blackout. But 
we're doing it right at the bench and all the boys are just howling. They're just loving this. And I'm kind of like yelling like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, you know, for some reason I have this extra whatever and we're fighting and the fight ends and I turn around and Colt Norris is fucking right. He's not, he's shaking up our, our, um, 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 Freddie, one of our assistant captains. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. So I went right over to Orzy and I kind of like tapped him on the shoulder, like grabbing on the shoulder and, and he turned around swinging. I'm like, holy shit, I'm in a fucking fight with Cole Nor after I've already just gone with this guy. Now i got to fight one of the toughest guys in the world in the game. Like, what's going on here, you know? But there's a couple of really good pictures of that where we're, like, both kind of missing each other with huge punches and both of our hair. Like, it's a good, really good, those will be some frameable photos. But, yeah, to to, to fight that guy was awesome. Then we're getting the penalty box, and he goes, Fitzy, what the fuck was that? I was like, you were shaking up, Freddie. I was fired up. I don't know. He's like, well, I don't know what you were doing. I said, well, it's rookie party night, so I don't care. That's all right if I'm kicked out. So have a good one, Orzy. Keep it under control. See you later. <laughs> yeah. I got tossed out for a second fight there. Yeah. Well, there you go. It was for yeah. a good, yeah, like you said, good for a good cause. Yeah. Yeah, so I got to sit up there, sit up in the stands, and kind of prepare myself for Ricky Party in Toronto. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, that you know that that's a pressing thing. You know, you gotta you gotta hey, plan these I, things. I was, I was smiling ear to ear. I just fought Cole Nor after a, after a scrap with Kelsey Wilson. I was all right with that. Oh, absolutely. Well, another name that's on here, um, and I really like this guy, and he he didn't unfortunately stick around the NHL very long. But Anthony Peluso. Oh yeah. He, yeah, he's a big boy. There's no really getting in the inside of him. Um, I thought he was going to really stick after his year in, in Winnipeg, but yeah. yeah, he was tough. Real tough, real tough. Well, and another guy you fought a couple times was uh, Patrick Portolo. Oh, yeah. Boy, yeah. Um, another huge human. He got, he got, definitely got the best of me the first fight. Second time, somehow, some reason, um, I grabbed him like in like his in his name bar over his shoulder, and because he was so big, and I must have had just a good grip, he couldn't kind of get he, for a few seconds there. I had him because he couldn't get out of it. I'm like, what's going on, you know? And then he broke through, and it was a different fight after that. But um, to fight that guy uh, was hard. And then he came over to the UK, and once again, everybody was scared of him. He was playing the same game, um, and. You know, it is, and and then he moved on from there. But uh, yeah, another tough human. No, absolutely. Well, I was gonna—I forgot to ask you this before, but uh, kind of like when you were talking about uh, the jerseys and stuff like that. Did you, uh, I know? And a few of the listeners always want me to ask this stuff. Were you at like? Did you do anything to your jerseys, like with tearaway sleeves or two tie downs or anything crazy? Yeah, the two tie. Yeah, the front tie down, uh, and not all the time. There was. Because of the rules, it would change. But when I could get away with it, I liked the front tie because uh, otherwise it come up over your face. And actually, that reminds me, and touching back on Kelsey Wilson, and it's this season, actually, um, the outdoor game, and you might yep. even be asking about it. The, the outdoor game was the second most fun I've ever had playing professional hockey, uh, bringing me back to being a, a kid on the outdoor rink. And I knew the whole world was watching, right, or at least Canada. Yep. And we're skating around, and um, Kelsey Wilson's on the other side. And we're skating by and going, hey, we'll see. And, you know, skating by. Hey, this is good. it's a good night for a, it's a, good night for a <laughs> fight tonight. And, you know, and he's he's shaking his head. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it was just right away into the game we had a good scrap there. And that, that fight actually kind of revives every year. 
for a little while. But that that fight I liked, and that was right there why I liked that um, front tie because he gets the jersey over my face and it looks like he's pounding me pounding me and then i finally get a hold of him and he's pounding me pounding me and i get him back at the end so it's a good scrap you know absolutely it was yeah actually i think i got a cool picture of that fight too um yeah like speaking of the outdoor games um obviously well you just mentioned it how how like do the do the boys like those games or is it just kind of like oh god you know well i think they're a little bit watered down now but i think for me personally, and I can only say for me, like I said, second most fun I've ever had in play, playing pro hockey. Just being outside, the, the smell, uh, just how it was when I grew up. You know, you're playing in the sunshine. It was a beautiful day. Uh, it was just cold enough. The sun was shining, and it just brought me back. You know, the nostalgia of being a kid and having the dreams of, you know, oh, Game seven of the Stanley Cup finals and, yep. you know, think that, you know, they all kind of come back to you. And I, I was 100%, and you could ask my teammates, they may remember, I was buzzing. I was absolutely, we got pumped, but I was buzzing. Well, I always laugh. Uh, I think it was Morasti that I talked to because he had the great fight with Jablonski at the outdoor game. But, uh, I mean, those two would have fought anyway. But it's it, it was just like, yeah, you said, it, it wasn't hard to find a fight at the outdoor game, you know. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of eyes on it. You might as well, right? Yeah. Well, the so the following year, I mean, you sort of kind of talk about a perfect team for you to land on is Philly. You know, yeah. I mean, an organization. If you're gonna ever fit in an organization, I would think Philadelphia would be it. Um, what was your experience in the Flyer organization like? Well, that's how I felt when I signed there too. I was so pumped. Uh, you know, I got down there. It was a good experience. They were a good, good uh, welcoming crew. Once again, I thought the the Philly pros were were great. Uh, Jay Rosa was there. He was very welcoming. Um, and so, for me, it was it was overall a good experience. I thought that, you know, I didn't really see myself breaking through. In all honesty, uh, because of the guys that kind of ahead of me in that position, it was more or less keep showing what I can do here. If the opportunity arises, then I'm going to take it. Right. Um, but yeah, there was a few guys kind of, I felt that were ahead of me in line. And then, um, our first year was the, I think it was first year, maybe it was second. First year was the lockout. Was it the first? I can't remember if it was the first or second year. It had to have been the second cause we didn't have training camp or did we? Anyway, okay. I can't remember specifically, but the the um, the way that they have things set up down there is great. They got the rink; everything's all right down there, with all the other sports stadiums and the practice facility is great. It's more or less where the guys live, uh, so it was a really good spot. And like you know, you go in there once again, ton of history. You know the Bradstreet Bullies and you know Riley Cote's down there with assistant coach, and you know you got a lot of things to kind of look forward to. You, did you interact with Baruby much? Uh, not a whole lot. No, no. I was, I was. No, I didn't. I didn't really have this the the opportunity. But like, oh, I, well, you mentioned how. Well, how was Kote as a coach? I liked him. I mean, he was honest. He was. It was early on in his coaching, um, so he was learning a lot as he was going. But he was super prepared. The way that he played the game, 
just kind of uh, worked with the, his coaching style. You know, he got the respect from the players. Um, you know, as long as you were coachable and willing to, to, to leave it out there, then you were all right with him, right? And, um, you know, he didn't expect you to, to do anything outside of your what you're there for. Uh, he, he expected you to do what was necessary, and I respect that. And he was good with off-ice stuff, with everything, just the way that, you know, he prepared himself and the things that he went through, he passed on that mentorship to us and the way that he eats and takes care of his body now after the way that, and, you know, I'm sure you've seen online the way that he talks about what he what he was like before. So he was good for us. No, absolutely. Um, well, <laughs> Some of the teammates, I gotta ask you, before we get across the pond here, I gotta ask you, <laughs> Zach Ronaldo. Yeah, he was always a guy I wanted to, I always wanted to grab him when I played against him, like when I was in Albany, because he, he was, uh, uh, it would have been down in those days, and uh, yeah, I always wanted to grab him, but you know what, he did his job well, and 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 he fit well with that organization. Yeah. Um, well, there was a young guy that I was a, a big fan of that he was a rookie at the time when you were there, uh, Derek Mathers. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I talked to him a little bit recently. Yeah. He was, uh, we were line mates. I tried to, I tried to kind of like do my best to, to be a veteran for him. Uh, because at that point in my career, it was, I was playing forward and D. So I was getting, I was playing, I was like six, seven D and then fourth line forward um, so I play a lot with him and interacted with him a lot, hung out with those guys, even though I was the old fart, I was hanging out with the young kids, but he was a really good kid and just a massive guy. He's super tough. Um, good teammate. So I, I enjoyed my time with him. Okay. A couple of the guys, a couple of the tilts I got to ask you about, cause these are big names and, and, uh, man, your fight card, just going through your fight card, just insane. Um, but, uh. <laughs> Brett Gallant, I know you fought him a few times. Yeah, I mean, once again, I would like touching on the pound for pound, and act like for for his uh, size and weight, toughest guy, accuracy, top top two guys I ever fought. Every single time he nailed me, both hands he had, and I'm sure you can see he has this this uh, like pull and punch style that a lot of guys try to do that can't be done as well as he does. He, he almost pulls you right into his punch. He, he'll, he'll grab you right in the collar and pull and punch, and that's where a lot of the impact, and that's where he knocks out guys. He'll pull you in and fucking smoke you right down Main Street. Um, and there's a lot of fights with him where it was, uh, it was rough waters. Well, it was funny. Uh, Curtis Gabriel, um, I can't remember what show it was on. Um, but of course he's been making noise lately in San Jose and stuff. And somebody was asking about his toughest fight. And I think of course they thought he was going to say Ryan Reeves or something like that. And he goes, Oh, the toughest guy in hockey is in the American hockey league. He goes, Brett Gallant would whip everyone's ass. Yeah. So he was just like, Gallant's the toughest guy in hockey. That's what he said in all leagues. So like, okay, well, you know, there you go. But yeah, I'm yeah, man, I, I'm surprised that um, uh, the Islanders didn't give him more of a chance. Like he fit right into when Brett Thompson was the assistant coach there. Yeah, dude, I actually, I and I can talk about all this stuff now, but I actually t- 
talked to Brett Thompson about three days after I signed with Philly. He had just signed with the Islanders and called called me. He said, Fitzy, where are you going? What are you doing? I said, I just signed with Philly. He goes, oh, I just signed with the Islanders. And I said, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) But, hey, because, you know, you you don't have a lot of connections in the game. And when somebody likes you and they'll they'll can maybe, you know, add a little influence on you, well, you got to take what you can get. Who is to say it would have ever worked out? I was super happy with the Philly organization, but they should. But um, um, like having a guy like Tomer there, I wish they could have got Gallant up there. And his brother's fucking tough too. Oh yeah, but the thing I don't get with Gallant, yeah, they bring him up. He gets his one NHL game, and he buckles Matt Cassian, and it's like yeah. okay, and then that's it. It's like really, like okay, you know, like I yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, and no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Player either. He's not a liability, you know. He's He can play the game. He's not – that, and that's like what we talked about before. He's a type of guy that could be playing the game now. Yep. Yeah, well, and like you said, his brother Alex, I mean, he's almost as tough. It's like, yeah, that's a pretty ridiculous tough family over there, actually. Oh, yeah. Actually, Alex just pummeled some guy the other night that I saw. Um well, another guy that you fought, of course, legendary NHL top. He was around the NHL. It was Cam Jansen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jano and I have a pretty good relationship now. We were, we had spent a lot of time uh, punching each other in the face, I suppose. But, yeah, it started that year when when he would have uh, really had no reason to fight me. Uh, but we were going at the uh, – I asked him on the face off. I go, Jano, we're going. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, all right. So uh, I dropped my gloves, and, and he kind of skates away. I'm like, oh, what the shit? So I kind of pick my stuff up, and the, and the play goes on. And <laughs> we get to the front of the net. He goes, oh, Fitzy, I'm, so, I'm sorry, my man. So I like kind of grab him, like, all right, we're going now. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that was our first experience. Um, and then, you know, when he was in the, the U.K., he was – didn't change a thing you know he didn't skip a b he was the same player he was in the nhl and basically i, I had no choice but to, we were playing on a rival team sheffield versus now i had no choice but to fight this guy yeah well it's like and it was yeah like you said he's one of those guys that i mean i know the uk fans are even talking he's like i guess he's like he's one of those nhl guys so it kind of gets viewed as the nhl guy going over there that he was like the one guy that never changed his style right like Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Still ran around the same and whatever, and yeah, because uh, you know some guys, you know, I you know I don't want to say mail it in, but I mean, I, I think some guys sort of view it as a paid vacation, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, and 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 in a, in a way, I understand. Like, I completely get. You know, you pay your dues for a long time at the top level. You know why? You know why would you want to go to a place where there's some guys that want to challenge you because you're you're Cam Jansen. Um, and they just want to be able to say that, and there's a higher chance of you getting hurt when you, you know, you, you're going over there for one to play the game, and yeah, bring your tough element, but you're not like getting called up to the NHL. So there's, you know, there's different ways to think about it, and you know, my wife would even question about what I was doing, you know, in the last few years. You know, you don't need to fight as much, you know, because you know, at first she loved it, right? Oh yeah, you love this all, you know. And then, you know, you, you you get married and you you see the guy all the time and things that can happen and what you can come home like. And, um, you know, she kind of would question it there. So, you, you know, you got 
maybe that element on guys too, their family. And um, there's lots of ways to think about it. But yeah, like when you go to the UK and after 10 years in the NHL, <laughs> I, I mean, I know the fans would expect them to fight, but somebody yeah. that's realistic w- wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, like I've talked to a few guys that went over there, and I mean, I'm not going to say anything because the UK fans will fucking send them hate mail or something. But oh yeah, they were right. like, oh no, it was a you know a free a free vacation to go sightsee basically and take the girlfriend before right. we you know start a family and come back home and you know get on with life, right? So it's just like yeah, yeah, you know. And I mean, at the same time, I mean, I guess the fan like I can understand from a fan's point of view, obviously that. You know, that I don't want to say cheated, but I mean, hey, we're paying this guy, do your thing, right? But, eh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, well, yeah, it's- I mean, there was guys like that, but I, I can definitely say that Cam Jansen definitely was not that guy because, you know what, he went over there and he fought everybody. He even fought me in this one Challenge Cup game where we were like, we were getting absolutely pumped. And it was way too late for me to fight, but I'm thinking, oh shit, I got to do something. I'm like, Jeno, we're going. Fitzy, yeah, you sure? Uh, all right, whatever. All right, let's go. He just kind of, you know, like he put himself in a position to get injured because he has, had respect for me and for the game, and he just he left it out there. Like he's definitely a, a, a 100% left it out there till the end of his career. Well, it, well we're, let's get into the U.K. here. I mean, uh, what, uh, what brought you overseas to Brayhead, and uh, what uh... – yeah, how did that all go? How did you end up over in the UK? Well, the it just got to the point in the American League where, like I mentioned before, I was 6'7D with Adirondack, playing a little bit of uh, fourth line, you know, 20, 28 years old. Um, you know, the window in all reality is very small uh, to make it to the NHL at that point. So, you know, I just kind of let the reality set in, uh, figured, you know what, I got a great opportunity to go overseas and, and kind of like you mentioned, explore, but also play the game. And um, we spoke to a few countries here and there, but um, Ryan Finnerty called me, uh, and he's another tough guy, <laughs> um, called me and we chatted for a while. He talked about coming over as a player assistant coach. And I thought, well, you know, this is kind of a cool opportunity to go over and play and then, you know, have that assistant coach label and, and help on that aspect, help some younger kids. And, and um, so that kind of like sold it for me. We went over and, and it being Scotland as well, um, English speaking country, destination place, you know, kind of yep. made sense to, to go. Um, so that was, that was good. We, we, it was, it was a pretty easy decision. Um, and my wife and I just, we just went for it. Well, you get over there and like, you know, Lee Salters is there, Stefan Meyer, um, you know, how Chris Frank and guys like that. How was it, uh, how were you received and like, and, and did, what, what were your immediate thoughts of, uh, Brayhead when you landed there? Yeah. I mean, we had a, <laughs> like, we kind of had that team I was talking about. We had, you know, myself and Frankie and then Lee Salters up front and, um, I'm blanking them if we had somebody else up there, but we, um, you know, we had a tough team and we had a good team. We had, you know, Matt Keith who had, I'm not sure how many NHL games, like you said, Stefan Meyer, so many NHL games. We had, you know, NHL veterans and a guy like myself coming from the American League and then some other guys that um, 
had some experience in Europe that fit really well into the UK. Um, so it was it was an eye opener more or less for the ice size. That was quite uh, difficult, uh, and also to kind of play my game where you're losing. Well, you're not losing, but you're gaining six, seven feet on the outside where I'm not, uh, used to closing off players and, and using my body. Well, now uh, it's a different game. So that was that was interesting. And then at the same time, in the same league, you go into a rink like, uh, well, Manchester wasn't there my first year, but uh, Cardiff, which is the same size as what Manchester is now, where it's basically the size of my living room, where, you know, it's it's yeah. a pinball game. It's smaller than any North American rink. Um, and the game is, you know, like Finner will basically, he's the coach there now, will basically build a physical, uh, intimidating Eric Nielsen team um, to, to play in there because you don't want to go in there and get bashed around. And uh, so, you know, that's that's kind of the elements you have at first. And, but then at the same time, you're like going to see all these castles, you're trying all these whiskeys, and you're just kind of, you know, actually the, the best part was uh, after our uh, preseason games, there's beer in the locker room. After, I'm like, whoa, this is good. This is preseason. I like this kind of preseason. They're like, whoa, this isn't preseason. This is this is basically a every team's got to hook you up with beers after the game. I'm like, well, okay, all right, I signed up at the right league. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How was your like your your first year there? How was uh, what was the skill level like? Like, what were you surprised by it, or how was it? Yeah. So I, it was tough to say because you only see video um, and yeah. from what people say, uh, so you don't quite know. But when I, I basically where I compared to then, I would say um, my first year, I'd say we would we would be competing with the top East Coast leagues um, and maybe the bottom American League team. Now, but now where the league is, I would say the Cardiffs and the Big Dogs, they would definitely compete with the bottom five American League teams. They probably wouldn't win a lot of games, but they would compete and they would do well in the East Coast. So it's kind of in between there. Um, and every year on a year has gotten better and better and it will just continue to get better. Uh, as the money grows there, if it does, they'll get more and more players. Um, and the fan base is only growing from there. So the money should grow that if they could get some TV revenue, it should, it should grow, um, to a better league. And they're getting into the Canadian hockey league or sorry, the, um, um, Sorry, CHL, I forget what it's called right now, but it's basically all the top leagues in Europe. They're getting um, good games against those guys and kind of spreading the, the word about the U.K. growing as a, as a league. Yeah, well, you kind of uh, you, you mentioned the money part. I mean, we're not, you know, I'm not going to ask you to do your taxes or anything, but in terms of, like, salary, um, was it American League comparable? Um, I would say maybe... Um, it's tough to say. Um, the top teams, uh, well, not sorry, not the top teams, the, the, the top budget, not, not even top, the higher budget teams, um, they'll they'll be paying a few of their players uh, American League salaries for sure. Yeah. Uh, and maybe even like a medium level American League contract. And then more or less like East Coast level money. But... The big thing is, is they they hook you up with the living in the car there, and it's uh, ta- it's they pay the taxes. So, and the exchange rate for a Canadian is great. So there's a couple things working for you there. Yeah. Um, 
and then I I did it myself. But there's a um, program, an MBA, Masters in Business of Administration program there, where they'll hook a lot of guys that have former university experience, or even myself, like a guy like myself who didn't, um, to add on to their contract. And they they usually try to use it to pay you less money, um, but it's just a it's a negotiation uh, tactic, but it's also a huge bonus and almost priceless for like a guy like me. And, you know, I have, uh, I have an MBA where I don't have my university, uh, undergrad, but I was able to go through the, the program and they like the hockey players there. You know, I, I feel like hockey players, they, they put their, they put their nose down and they grind through it and don't just take it for granted. So it, it actually works out well for everybody involved and, and the money you will see go up, I, I think. Yeah. I had, uh, yeah, I had Jeremy Cornish on the show and he, he took advantage of the, he got the education package through them and he's, I know he's a teacher over there now, but, uh, yeah, he was saying you can't really put a price on that for sure. No, no. Um, well, so you you get over there and, uh, yeah, you right away, you got a, you got a few run-ins, a few incidents, (laughs) um, before, uh, well, one of them, I think you would you fight him three times was old, uh, another former guest of the show, Matt Nickerson. Yeah, that was literally the day I signed, uh, and Twitter and all that stuff, as you know, yep. was massive over there. It was literally, it wasn't even a, hey, welcome to the Purple Army. It was, when are you going to fight Matt Nickerson? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, so, you know, it, our, our first, uh, inner counter was, uh, probably not a smart decision by me. My shoulder was a bit fucked up, but I went for it anyway. Um, and then touching on the, um, social media aspect, we're fighting, and at the end of the fight, I, I went down, um, and so they all, oh, Nickerson knocked you out, you, you know what, you this, blah, 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 and they like, will tear you apart, both in person and on Twitter. And I made the mistake of saying, well, listen, this is a good scrap, I slipped at the end. Holy shnikes, you <laughs> slipped, huh? You <laughs> slipped, blah, blah, blah. Well, they just ripped me one, so I kind of learned early uh, about that, but I mean, they're our biggest rival. Like once again, up in Scotland, the uh, uh, Fife versus Brayhead is the biggest rivalry up there. And so, you know, you got Matt Nixon, who's literally a god in Fife, walking around with his beard. He was like a king there. I mean, they they just praised this guy. Um, so yeah, you know, kind of knew you were getting into every time with him. Well, and I could tell you from so being on social media, I, I said this before we got going. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time. Pumping Fitzy's tires over there, I, I, <laughs> I was in there fighting for you. But uh, yeah, like you were like the most hated dude. Well, and I think it was yeah. um, well, it was like polarizing, right? You're either loved or you're hated. And it was, uh, right. I, and I think the fact that you were active on social media, I don't know if that yeah. was a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I can't yeah, even imagine. Sure. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Like you wake up in the morning, the amount of notifications Twitter your Twitter would have. Like that would just be ridiculous. Oh, it, it was ridic- it was ridic- it was immediately after the game my phone was exploding with stuff. Uh you're right, next morning it would go on all night long and if there's ever night when I was drinking and responding it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> but like literally you have to have and being a coach last year, you have to talk to the players about it and how they cannot literally they cannot soak these things in. They can't take it personally cuz no offense to anybody out there listening. There is a lot of people that have no fucking idea what they're talking about. They literally have no sniff what they're talking about, but 
when it's when it's even if there's not a single light and the like or the person has one follower or whatever, if it's directed at you and you're seeing it on your phone, you're still going to take it personally. Even if you you know you read it a little bit, you're gonna it gets digested. Um, and you know our goalie one year really he really took it personally, and that is not a good person to mess with <laughs> no mentally. Um, but yeah, that's the to the heights so that the social media can get there. It's the point where I literally just blocked and and and, and uh, unfollowed people left, right, and center. Yeah, well, I've I've said it on here a million times. Um, I I have no idea why any athlete would be on Twitter. I have no idea why you would do that to yourselves because it'd just be like I mean I'm in my little insignificant role on Twitter. I mean I've been shit talked too, and it just drives me nuts that it's just like you just want to reach through the screen and it's like you wouldn't say this oh, to me in my face you know but i couldn't exactly. imagine what you right. guys would go through like oh my god well that's just it those guys that were saying that that wouldn't say it to my face are literally coming up to me later on hey fitzy how you doing good thanks for stopping blah 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 um and it is what it is like i get it and and i see what you're saying yes the abuse is ridiculous um but the kids that reach out to you on there, yeah. some people that want to interact, the that that does outweigh the the um, the bad stuff because there is a lot of people that get a lot of positivity out of it, and it's fun to you know interact with kids that maybe don't talk to anybody, you know. So it's uh, it, it can be a very good tool, but you're right, the ninety percent of social media really is is just so bad. No, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, and you have like in Belfast, uh, old Blake wheels there, kids like that. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, that, that's, you know, I mean, like you said, that's the, that's actually really the point in my opinion of social media, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, but, uh, okay. One of the characters I have to ask you about, and you, you, you had a fight with him. I had him on my show and again, not, I, I don't really pay attention to that much hockey anymore or whatever, especially over in the UK scene. I mean, I'd follow you and Nickerson and guys like that, but this guy really wasn't on my radar. No offense to him, but I, I told him this, but <laughs> I had him on my show. Well, holy shit. Like, you talk about the most... I don't even know that the, the UK fans were all over me about the episode <laughs> was Joe Grimaldi. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> what was your impressions of Joe? And uh, I know you fought him. Um, yeah, Joe Grimaldi. What's Zach Fitzgerald's opinion? <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't want to really. I feel like, and I've almost thought about some of my answers already. Where I, I don't really want to be a guy that like calls people out, but like at the same time, the way that he was when I fought him, the game, the way that he was playing it, it was one of those times where it's like you're either going to answer the bell or I'm going to make you answer the bell because I'm not going to let you get away with it. Yep. Um, and it got to the point where he had to answer the bell and that's the last I saw of him because I wouldn't have wanted to see him again. I would have chased him around every single game. But about two weeks later, three weeks later, or whatever, is when that his incident happened. So, didn't yeah. <laughs> Didn't see him later. But I was yeah, going to say, were, I, you I, I were you surprised when you heard about that? No, because I never heard a good thing about him. Even the people in Edinburgh wanted him out of there. That's yeah. That was sort of the uh, the response I got. Oh, that episode! I'll tell you, it was. Uh, I mean, yeah, I got I got like hate mail over that episode, and I was like, well, whatever. You're listening. Yeah, that's so, a sad thing. Yeah, I'm like, well, you nobody said you had to listen to it. I mean, 
he was actually a really funny interview. He, you know, it was like, okay. But he, and he laid it all <laughs> out. Check it out. Well, I mean, he owned it, whatever. I mean, he laid it all out. So, well, you know. If he owned it, then that's, that's cool, man. That's, that's, that, it, you know what? We're all humans and we live and we learn. Like, there's so much stuff going. People will never understand if they've never been put into the position of what adrenaline can do to you. Yeah. And, and the, and, and things that you won't even think you could do, you do, and you, and, 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 <laughs> the regrets some of the regrets that i have um that i will never forget about is just what i have to live with and that was because of um sometimes not being able to control myself well i mean that's the thing and, and that's the frustrating thing um you know that people like you said that people don't understand it's like well at the same time you know these same jokers that'll shit talk you for it are the ones that want you to act like the animal right so you do yeah, that exactly. and then all of a sudden it's oh he's mean now Oh, well, okay, right. you know, like... Yeah, no, I agree, the double edge, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? And like you said, it's, you know, if anybody's ever been in a fist fight before, it's like, it's not like you're thinking clearly when it's done, you know, and I, I no. think people get so wrapped up in this, like, I've, I've bitched about this a million times on here and on Twitter and everything else, but, like, these people that go on and on about this code, like, whatever that is, I mean, what like, I've never even... Okay, but they just act like it's Marcus of Queensberry, and afterwards it's all bro hug and bum taps, and can't wait to work out with you in the summer, bro. You know, it's like no, you know, it's like this is a fist fight, and I don't really like yeah. this guy right now. You know, so exactly, you know, eh, whatever. But no, uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing I would add on that is you're right. It's at the time, it's it's do or die, and then there's going to be a time when yeah, there's the bro, but it's more of the respect thing. It's not the you yeah. know. It's it's the warrior that respect deal. Yeah, and then and some guys you have it, and then other guys, like you said, yeah. you know, we don't whatever. But you play against him, it's like I have no respect for that guy. So I don't exactly. give a shit yeah. if he's down. I'm gonna hit him again because why not? Yeah, totally. You know? and, well, and there's usually a reason why. Well, ex- well, and that's the thing. It's like okay, the guy's fought like six or seven times this year. He hasn't done that. Now all of a sudden he does it one time. When everybody flips out about it, well, you you don't think there was a reason why he just did that? Like, he just didn't exactly. do it, you know? It's like I don't know, whatever people meant. But one yeah. of these things, uh, speaking of like, we kind of touched on it earlier with the with the uh, player safety and the suspension and everything else, and a lot of thing that got blown up. And I still didn't understand what the issue was. Was of course the incident with Danny Bois that you had. Where he he grabs you from behind, pulls you out of the pile, so you drop your stuff with him, your face up, you square off with him, drill him if you and you dropped him. I, I don't know. I mean, it's unfortunate for him, but it's like I don't know what what the issue was. Like, what did you get suspended for? Well, there's a lot of things that work here that maybe some fans will hear this from the UK that might actually finally understand it. Um, but what they see is me fighting an un willing combatant is the words that they use right well here you touched on it okay first of all the guy just signed he traveled 15 hours was locked up in travel uh like uh suspension for seven hours they put him on a bus and then they made him play a game so first of all he's already out of sorts shouldn't he that's unhealthy and next thing Danny Bois, I knew who he was before he even signed there. I guarantee you he knew who I was because we run in the same, you know, we run around along the same lines. We've seen each other in the stat packs. We've seen the names in the in the leading PIMS and all this shit. So it wasn't like he didn't know who I was. 
Um, and then you go in the game, like you said, he he choked me. He didn't just grab me from behind. He choked me. And fucking A, do I hate being choked. There's like, you know, to, to not be able to breathe and not be able to get out of it, I can't stand that. But I got out of it, I turn around, and I, and, I, and I grab him. And it's almost like people think we're just staring each other in the eye. Well, no, we're literally talking about him and I fighting and him calling me the tough guy and yada, yada, yada. And, yes, it basically got to the point of where we kind of touched on it earlier. Is it going to be you or me? And you're choking me out and talking like you're going to fight me. We're going. I'm dropping my shit. Yeah, I might I might have jumped a gun, but I caught him. Then I stopped and gave him a chance to fight back. He's still talking shit, still talking shit. At this point, I'm already fired up, so I throw one more. And then he dropped his gloves, and I caught him with one more. Do I feel good about that? Fuck no, I do not feel good about that in any sense. But knowing his history, he's jumped many guys and thrown the gloves and all that shit. So do I feel bad? Not really, because he choked me out. He instigated it. We talked about fighting. He caught the worst end of it. It's not going to be on my trophy, uh, um, what I talk about. But people need to understand that it's not just what it looks like where I just beat up an unwilling combatant. There's literally, we're yelling at each other, talking about fighting. I know him from the past. He's choked me out. That's enough reason for me to scrap. Well, yeah, and like you said, it's, it, you know, it's it's not like he had, he's, you know, you're grabbing some guy that's never fought before. You know, exactly. like, I mean, he's done it. He knows what's going on. I mean, you know. Exactly. Did you ever have any interaction with him after? No, he, no, they basically kind of like, and that's just the way that team was. They, they, he did, he lost the fight. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. They gave him like five more games and then shipped him out of there. Yeah, like that. and then he signed in on Austria and in, in a in a in a higher paying league, getting paid probably triple what he was getting paid there. So oh, there you go. Yeah. So um, yeah. Well, you know, um, and how many would you get? Two or three games for that? I think I got five. five. But like, what was there? Like, so you're sitting there with player safety. Like again, what was the reason for giving you the five games? Like, I, I believe it was unwilling combatant because his gloves weren't dropped, and I threw a punch. It was that was their reasoning was an unwilling combatant, even though they didn't analyze the choke. Yeah, or the or the player's history. You know, I think it's just uh, that's that's the difference between a uh, player safety over here and and what they kind of threw together there. How like that first year there? How? Now you're adapting to all the bigger rank, blah blah blah, all that stuff, and and, and probably getting more, obviously more playing time that you know, not knocking you, but you're probably yeah. getting more ice time than usual. So this is sort of a yeah, different yeah. deal for you. Um, how was it? Like, how were the like? I mean, I've heard horror stories of the referees. Like, what what was the refing like? And like, like, what's the difference well, between? Well, I didn't help myself at all because I was coming from the American League where. I was literally hacking and whacking little cross checks, little jabs here and there. You know, just yeah. just the way that you play in North America. There's little things that you do because you're in tight quarters. The ice is smaller, um, and so I didn't get away with any of that. And then you know, when I would try to intimidate somebody after the whistle or something, they would flop, flop down. I get called, blah, blah blah. So I, I got a lot of extra pims and a lot of minors, and it was not something I was proud of. Um, but there was a lot of times where. They called me simply because I was 13 and the purple jersey with the orange beard, um, and so yeah, I didn't I didn't love that aspect. I think it's one of the, and and I'm sure you've seen it talked about many times, and it was something that they are aware of. Um, 
Um, it's just growing the referee's knowledge and their experience because realistically, like I mentioned, that league has come a long way in the last five years and everything has to go with it, including the, the referees and training those guys. And they're doing their best. And um, there's some guys coming from Europe and whatever. Um, but it just, unfortunately, at the time, it's just not up to par. And it is one of the things that is holding that league back a little bit. And, and I hope these guys will never take any offense to that because I, I would want to be the first one to, to help them because it helps the game. And there's no knock on them, not that they're bad people or whatever, but the game's moving fast. And like I mentioned, there's players coming from the American League, blah, 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 fast leagues. And they just, the, the whole product has to, um, to be on par or there's going to be, inconsistency um and the main the some of the main issues is is the the logistics of the the referees they just don't spread them out enough so you see the same guys over and over and if you piss that guy off well you're done yeah you know even me as a even me as a coach last year and i'm guilty of it as a player yelling at the guys and then making up and whatever um, but being on the bench I, I was doing my best to keep calm and 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 let the players do that, but it, it was to the point where I, I was shaking my head um, for a lot of calls, and so it was it was frustrating at times. Um, but there's a lot of dialogue going on with the growth of it, and I, I hope the best for them. No, absolutely. Well, the 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 following year, you moved to Sheffield and you spend three seasons there. Uh, what why move why leave Brayhead and uh, what made you go to Sheffield? Uh, well, in all honesty, I did I did everything I possibly could to um, sign back with Glasgow, and I talked to Finner and um, those guys, and uh, I mean, probably even went out of my way. In all honesty, like, but I, I, I liked it there. We liked Scotland. We were excited, and it just wasn't going to work out. And so, um, Paul Thompson with Sheffield was just calling me literally every day, and I couldn't just ignore the fact that somebody wanted me, and that's kind of the way that I. I let my career kind of rule my contracts as I went where they wanted me. I didn't just wait and I didn't really let a lot of deals fly off the table and who knows if I would have ever gotten anything better in my career, who knows whatever, blah, 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 if there was even better. Um, but I, I didn't want to let that opportunity go and they just seemed like they wanted me. So I, I also saw the opportunity to go play, uh, with Sheffield had made, uh, won the league. They beat us by a point, which if we would have won in, um, in Scotland, we would have been fucking legends. But anyway, um, we went down there because they were playing in the CHL, the Champions Hockey League. Um, so that was cool. We played against Frolunda, top SHL team, um, and uh, Yip, top Finnish team. So that was a really cool experience. And and in and, and honesty, my, my um, initial thought was, you know, to go have a good year there and even have a good year in the CHL and potentially even look elsewhere outside the UK just to get a little experience around. Um, but it worked out really well in Sheffield, had a good year. Paul Thompson basically said, well, I didn't realize you could, you could play that well. I just kind of thought you, you know, I'm like, well, <laughs> you got what you got. And he said, okay, well, we want you back. We want you back badly. So what do you want? And I said, I want to go to school. Um, and they made it work. And I went to school those second two years in Sheffield, really enjoyed our time there. We won, won the league, won the playoffs and, uh, should have probably had some more silverware out of there, but that was the best part about being there. Is we, we won championships, good group of guys, and a lot of fun. 
No, absolutely. And, uh, of course, over that time, of course, you had your big rivalry with Cam Jansen's. So what, you fight four times or something? Um, Man, I think we fought, like, six times. But, yeah, like, yeah. playing for Sheffield and Nottingham and, and having a guy like that, just a thriller. Like, they basically sold games, not, not sold games, but it was like a promotion for a fight, right? It was the Jansen yeah. Fitzgerald stuff. And the Sheffield Steelers are going to sell out against the Nottingham Panthers. And, you know, it was that's what they want over there. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, well, of course, one of the big things that came up, one of the big dudes and names that came over in Nottingham was, uh, Big Earn, Ryan McGrath. Yeah. Um, I don't, you guys didn't, uh, that never happened, you and Big Earn. Well, I don't, I, I, I don't really have a whole lot to say about him. Uh, I, I don't like the way that I was. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a lot to say about him. That's where I'll leave that. So, uh, well, one of the rivalries you did have in uh, was with uh, Gagnon, a young guy, Matthew Gagnon. Um, I know you guys had a few run-ins. Um, those were hellacious fights. Um, what was he? What was the deal with uh, with you two? He. I'll put, he was the other, uh, up there with Gallant with accuracy. He, man, I, I swear he just nailed my chin about five times. He just straight down Main Street, um, kind of like a fearless fighter. He just was accurate. And I don't know how he kept nailing me so well, but he, yeah, he, he's one guy that caught me a lot. He, um, we had some good scraps and once again, it was like a, a rivalry thing. So they loved all that. Yeah, um, well, I know at that, was that the season, I think you and I were actually talking on privately about it, because I think you were kind of catching some shit for, for not fighting him or something. Were you having jaw issues or something? You got a, you broke your jaw, didn't you? Um, or was it teeth? I can't remember what the... Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, it was my teeth. Um, yeah, I, uh, was it that year? I'm trying to think. I just asked my wife, but, um... Yeah, I blocked a shot in, like, the last second of the game right in my teeth. Like, <laughs> we passed from the sidewall up to the point. I, I uh, went from the sidewall to the front like an idiot, blocked, like, you know, down on my knees and just wham right in my fucking teeth. That was not a good one. Well, the Doug Glatt. Um, Doug, exactly. So, literally, the Doug Glatt. Yeah, and I think, because uh, um, I think... And then people were kind of like he was trying to fight you or something, and you wouldn't fight him, and you were kind of catching shit over it. But it was because of your teeth. I mean, uh, I think you were saying like you you were getting really frustrated. I know when I talked to you, I'm trying to remember our conversation. I honestly, I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't stick out to me. I'm trying to remember what the issue would have been. Um, would have been. It had to have been my yeah. It had to have been uh, teeth or even. Because I wanted to normally, I wanted to turn him down for any other reason than um, having a health issue. No, oh, yeah, exactly. And that was kind of yeah. everybody. Yo, what's the fits? He's probably scared of him, you know. And it's like, and, and I'm like, yeah. no, you know. And, and listen, and listen, you can go back, okay, about your the, the guy that you previously asked. Like, I really don't care anymore. Look, and this will this will touch on this right here. If a guy comes up to you. And he is in your face, and it looks like he wants to clobber you, okay? And he is literally standing over you in a fighting position. But he is saying, hey, let's have a good game today. I'm too old for this shit. But every single 
7,000 fan around you thinks you're backing down from a fight and you skate away acting like you just backed down a guy, I have no fucking respect for that. And that is nothing I would ever do to a guy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's why that would have pissed me off about Ganyan because Ganyan and I would have known that there is a real reason for it. And the speculation online is just nuts <laughs> oh i know well that's and i had to yeah that was when i when i kind of mentioned to a few few cats that uh, i was having you on um the uk fans are very excited to have that i'm having you on but th- that was one of the couple of the questions we're asking about get jansons and ganyon and then of course mcgratton were the three names that i was supposed to ask you about so well there yeah. we go we've well, covered that but um yeah and and and, and i know I, I said like i don't have any comment but realistically i do almost need to get that out there because like you say for the next 15 years everybody in nottingham thinks fitzy is scared of brian mcgratton when (laughs) one time i tried to fight him he fake dropped him and skated away from me um and then they went down and scored and it's going to always be something that's remembered and will always piss me off like i mentioned a few of the stories (laughs) but i'll never be able to get redemption on that one and look we talked about it before. Guys like that, they have earned their, they've paid their dues. Don't have to ever fucking do anything. But just don't, don't put me in a position where I'm in Sheffield and I'm supposed to be this guy. And if there's any doubt shed on me when they re- and when reality uh, has nothing to do with what's going on, and it's tarnishing my reputation that I've built there, then that that kind of that pisses me off, you know. Well, and I mean, and that was my issue with them online. I'm like, well, go and look at his fight card and his history. Right. And like, what are we doing here? Come on. You right. know, like, yeah, exactly. but it's the optics, right? And it's, um, unfortunately, exactly. and it's, uh, yeah, well, and then I, I always laugh. Of course, these are the same bozos that love to yell about the code. Well, you want to talk about the code? Right. Well, right. You know, but exactly. Right. right. Anyway. The only thing I can anything to do with that is I always just walked the line when I was, when I played, that was something I always, you know, I just never wanted to cross that line. I wanted to be a player in the game that brought toughness and um, would stand up for anybody on my team and, and do whatever it possibly takes to win a game and to protect anybody. But I just, you know, that line is more or less what I was concentrating on. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I know I've kept you here a long time. We're going to, like, you know, I'll kind of, I won't keep you too much longer. But, of course, we do have to mention, you go back to Glasgow. Um, what, well, I guess, okay, what made you leave Sheffield and go back? Um, it was a good, they, talking to them, they, want, they wanted to change up there. They were going with um, a new logo, a new brand, rebrand. Um, they wanted me to, to, captain the team up there and and kind of bring the leadership and kind of what i touched on before where i did my best to go up there i i would like to hope that those guys would admit too because they've admitted to me that they made a mistake not bringing me back there and not saying like i'm trying to pump my own tires but it would have been a great fit um to stay up there so um we had always kind of talked here and there and always kept a good relationship um, and it just kind of made sense where I was. I didn't want to stay in Sheffield. I wanted to stay there for anything. They couldn't have offered me. Yeah, the end of my uh, Sheffield uh, career didn't did not go well. I wouldn't have signed back there for anything. 
Um, so I was already looking to get out of there. And Glasgow came, and, and it would have felt good to to go up there and captain the team in Glasgow. And we had a good record against Sheffield that year, so that was probably my highlight. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, like, what, well, I mean, you know, I, I have to ask. I mean, you know, I mean, you don't have to say anything, but, like, was it a coaching thing or just an organization or a money thing or that you pissed you off? Uh, with Sheffield? Yeah. Yeah, it was, well, it was, it was I'm trying to remember the initial um, deal there, but, like, we just, you know, when you don't win in Sheffield, um, pressure's on. I mean, pressure yep. is on. And you talk about pressure in all the wrong places and um, unmotivating um, tactics, you can look right there. It was miserable because, you know, we weren't winning, we weren't top of the league, or we weren't in a certain position that um, life was hell. And I remember specifically, sorry, I think not specifically, but more or less, I think where it started and it kind of touches back to the Gagnon thing when I had my bubble on, uh, I busted my face up. I came back, I was out for a while. I came back and played in a game with my bubble on, um, ended up lining up a kid that everybody in the league hated. Finally got a chance to hit him. It was lining up to be a perfect open ice hit. He, he, he tripped on my, uh, my uh, D partner's stick and started heading down as I was stepping up into him. So my elbow, like my elbow's not extended, but my uh, shoulder and my elbow are starting to come up as I'm like starting to project myself in this hit and it hits him right in the head. Um, so I got suspended for five games right away there. Um, and that's where it started there. I was, you know, because of that, uh, even though it was a, um, in my eyes, it was, it was going to be a clean hit. Yeah, I got suspended, but that's just that league and their suspensions. Anyway, um, and that's where it spiraled. And it just, it, the relationship started to crumble. Um, and I've never a, said this. Yeah, it's just I've never a disrespect said this out loud. thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I've never said this out loud. Um, but the worst part about it all is the way that they treated it as well um, by releasing a document with about 20 players or 15 players on it saying, the Sheffield Steelers will not be re-signing these guys or these guys when, in all reality, our contracts were just ending. They had no right to put my name in any sort of publication about re-signing or signing when I was the last thing I wanted. And that was something that I held on. I was so bitter about for about two months, I couldn't even answer the Sheffield reporters' uh, phone calls because I didn't want to say anything too bad. But I don't care. I'm done playing hockey now. But that right there, should never be done to a player that's not under contract because what does that look like to, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the Red Bulls? Oh, they just released, they released that player. They're going to release him from, for some reason. Like they didn't want him back. Oh, we're more or less. No, the contract ran out. I want to get the hell out of there. So don't act like it was you, you know, does that make sense? Well, like they're sewering you. Yeah, with, exactly. You know, and they're putting a stink on you. And of course, these teams are like, you know, yeah, what, what's wrong with Fitzy? You know, what's exactly. his deal? Yeah. And, and I was already signed with Glasgow, so I didn't really care. But once again, you know, a lot of this stuff going on with, with my career is reputation. I don't need my reputation tarnished because Sheffield needs to make themselves feel better. Yeah. Or, or to appease fans why they're not signing me when, in all reality, I think they were intimidated by 
um, my fan interaction, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, I, in all honesty, I think it was something that they saw they couldn't control, and um, it was not like I would ever use it in any way. I I loved it. I I always every single fan base I ever played for, I did every single thing I could to show my appreciation appreciation back to, to to them because I was that kid that was waiting after the games for the broken stick, the autographs, and just the winks from the players. You know. Yep. No, absolutely. Well, there you go, UK fans. There's your answer. Yeah, like, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, well, like now they know, right? Because I mean, all it yeah. is up to that point is you're only getting one side of the story, and exactly. uh, you know, as an outsider looking in from the from, and this isn't you saying it, this is me saying it, and I've been very vocal on Twitter about it. There's a certain cat in Sheffield that should learn to shut his mouth, and he's embarrassing. That's me saying that. But you're you're off to Glasgow again, and uh, but one of your teammates over there, who I'm a huge fan of, is Josh Gratton. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Gratz. That was uh, that was like wow. I can't believe we signed this guy. <laughs> um, but he went over there and he he was lighting it up, man. Well, I think uh, I think I think he was a far better player than I think people give him credit for. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And and kind of like we were mentioning before, a guy gets a little bit more. He's not more or less judged on every little mistake. He's given more of a, a leash to play. You can really see what they can do because you know all your tough guys that make the NHL in minor hockey. They were probably some of the best players. Yeah, but you get into a pool with you know all these top players, your Crosby's and your Stalls and and whatever. It's a different level. So yeah, you give you know a guy like that. He was lighting it up. Yeah, and he was tough as nails. You know and so it was cool to have him as a teammate because nobody wanted nobody. Nobody wanted anything to do with our team. We were real tough. Yeah, I mean, and you guys had you guys had a hell of a year. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, yeah. Well, and then so so the following year, you're back again. And uh, did you know at this point, like, what was the like? Did you know at the at the end of that year that you were done playing and you were going to coach? No, in all honesty, I was looking for a contract all through that summer. I was I had. Um, something going in Slovakia, um, some talks going on in, um, the VHL and stuff like that, but nothing was really coming through and, you know, you start researching the country and yeah, it's beautiful, but you start talking to people that have had experience in Slovakia and stuff like that and the risk of not being paid and like the foreign language of being in a room where there's 5% English being spoken. Um, it, I don't know. It just like whatever. And so, uh, you know, I was in talks with Glasgow and I, I wanted to go back there too. And, uh, and he just called me, Gareth Chalmers was calling me one day and said, Hey, Pitts, what do you think about coaching? And I said, well, fuck, I guess I hadn't thought about that, but what about player coach? Cause they'd done that in the UK and, and, and he said, well, you know, we're past that. And I agreed. I think that that league is way past that. Um, but the more and more I thought about it, it was, you know, it was head coach and director of hockey. So I got to recruit the team, um, you know, more or less run the team. I, literally, it was kind of like a one-man show. I didn't even have an assistant. I had a player assistant coach, but I didn't have an assistant coach. Um, I had, uh, you know, my uh, um, COO, but he was more or less working worrying about the business. He was helping me with his, the agents and stuff like that. But um, it just seemed like, what an opportunity 
I can't pass this up. Let's go for it. And um, I was really excited about it. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I was hoping to go back for another year, and that's kind of what was talked about. But, um, you know, there was some false promises there. And then, and then that was it. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it was kind of, uh, well, I, suppose, I, I guess, yeah, it was sort of an abrupt end to your playing career, really. When um, was yeah. there, Did you have any thought about going, coming back to North America to play? Yeah, yeah, I did actually. I thought about um, going to the East Coast and trying to play assistant coach there, um, or even just playing in the coast and giving it another shot in North America. Kind of like uh, you know, hopefully playing like Florida and you know get that experience, get you know get on PHPA Union stuff and kind of go try to, to um, transfer myself to the business side of stuff or you know coaching or whatever. Um, but yeah, this. This just opportunity it was just—it was too good to pass up, and it was awesome. I loved it. I, my, my, we were home for the first time in a while with my young daughter, so my wife and daughter um, got kind of the brunt end of it because I was so busy. Like literally, I'd be up, I'd be up till three in the morning, researching stuff. I'd sleep till seven, get up, uh, looking for players, talking all day long, in and out. I mean, we were staying with my parents too. I hadn't seen them in years, so it was a life changer, and I kind of just dove right in and I, and I don't regret it one bit, but, um, um, it's just unfortunate not to do it again. So yeah, I, I wouldn't take it back and I did want to play. You're right. It was an abrupt kind of end. Um, now I'm kind of like sitting here, you know, I haven't been in the gym in a while, but you know, you watch guys, you know, like you mentioned, Nate Thompson, you know, like the Colburns and the carry prices that were my age, I do have those kind of uh, regrets sometimes, maybe calling it too short. Um, Cause you always have the, you know, people telling you play till you just play forever, play as long as you can play as long as you can, uh, which is true because it is, it is a short career. Um, but I'm also proud of what I did with the coaching and um, you know, we'll see what, what, what goes on forward from there. But uh, we, we did love it. And hockey's always going to be a part of my life, but yeah, it's, it, it, it kind of sucks sitting here thinking about it as I speak, not playing pro again. Uh, but I had a great career. Uh, oh, yeah. I kind of came in on the other end of, uh, uh, you know, I, more or less I'm all right. I got my, my injuries here and there, but I'm a fortunate guy to, to still be kind of, you know, cruising around and able to do whatever I can with my daughter and my family. So I, I'm fortunate to be on the other eye and fairly unscathed. No, absolutely. Well, like you said, yeah, man, you had a hell of a run, and you got to see you got to see the world and play, and uh, you you know played a game in the NHL. I mean, yeah, I mean, you did things that what like ninety nine percent of players never do, right? So, no, for sure. I mean, if I were, I certainly wouldn't look back with any uh, with any uh, uh, regret or anything like that. I mean, that was you had a hell of a run, man. And it was, and as a fan, it was uh, you know from watching you right from your first days in Seattle. You know, we used to call you Zach the Hack. We thought it was just great that you were yeah. <laughs> uh, you were just in there swinging all the time, and uh, to follow you all the way to the UK was uh, no man. It was as a fan, it was it was great to watch. And uh, no, congratulations, man! You had a hell of a run. Oh, I appreciate it, Darren. Yeah, no, we've been talking for a long, long time. This was uh, inevitable at some point, but yeah, no, I appreciate it that you've been supportive of me because you know, like you say, the the social media can be. 
uh, disheartening sometimes. But when I talk to people like you, it's just what it's all about, really. Well, man, I pre- no, absolutely, I appreciate that. And uh, but well, before we let you go, we got to ask, like, what's uh, what's Zach Fitzgerald doing today? Well, we're um, trying to figure that out. Uh, but my my buddy owns a double rink uh, in Toronto. Uh, it's called the Hockey Factory. I'm helping them right now where it's uh, basically all ages up to pro. Um, a lot of guys that are uh, in the NHL are coming through there. Um, and basically we're just working all age levels. Um, probably it's more or less stick around in, in minor hockey, but also um, coaching on the side, like um, privates and skills and some minor um, minor team coaching. But staying in the game, just more like a lateral movement, I guess. Um but I really enjoy it because uh, I've been working with a lot of kids, 13, 14 years old, that are uh, on the brink of OHL, um, so OHL or university route or whatever. But you know, that's kind of it's it's a hockey hotbed out here, and it's cool to pass on, you know, what I've learned over the years and kind of give back in that way, um, and to just kind of see see myself in them a little bit because. You know, you just you don't realize how much you you just don't know at that age. You just don't realize the little things that they just don't know yet, and to try to help mold that and influence it is is uh, a little bit more um, feels a little bit better than it did kind of working with pros, really. No, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I mean, you, like uh, you just even think of yourself, like you said, back at that age at thirteen and fourteen. I mean, the advantages these kids, as, you know, of course it's evolution, right? As the science gets better and the training and everything else, how, how much further they are ahead than like we were at that age, right? Oh, I can't even play anymore, dude. They're, yeah. They're, they're, the kids that, the kids that are going to be coming that are up through like 15 to 18 right now are so skilled. It's going to be a different game. Yep. But like I was, uh, I don't know if you uh, Pizzetta, but he's a he's a Montreal pick. He's he was in our um, on our rink this summer. But he's an absolute animal. You'd, you'd love him. He's he can play the game, but he's tough as nails, and he's uh, not afraid of anybody. So I hope him the best. Absolutely. Well, it uh, yeah, like you said, it's ever, it's always changing, and the game has changed. And uh, but uh, like I said, you had a hell of a run, man. And I I can't thank you enough for. Uh, for uh, sitting down and doing the doing oh man I think we three hours we were talking so um, no I, I can't I can't thank you enough it was awesome <laughs> no it's good yeah no, thanks for having me man I, I I wish you nothing but the best as well too so um, keep doing what you're doing I, I'm listening as well so hello to everybody out there and keep listening to Darren and and rock it out brother I appreciate what you're doing well I appreciate it thank you very much and uh, no it's been fun man I thank you cheers. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?